War Report family, it's your boy Mike G here with Ike Jones. We got a special guest for you guys today. Auburn wide receiver from 2002 to 2006, seven-year NFL vet, Devin Aroma Shadu. Devin, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you guys for having me. Pleasure to be here. All right, so Devin, we're really excited to have you on today. Um, uh, you, uh, we, we interviewed Courtney Taylor, um, and uh, we we got lucky to be able to to interview two receivers from our 2004 undefeated team, right? So um, you have a, a pretty important distinction in Auburn history in that you never lost to Bama. Y'all know what it's like to lose to Bama. And uh, uh, there are a lot of Auburn players who can't say that. And you went into Brian Denny and beat Bama, you know, a few times during your career. Can you talk to us about what it w- what it was like uh, to go in there and beat those guys consistently? It definitely was a tough atmosphere playing there. It being the last game of the season, and uh, you know, you're just so worn down from the whole season. But you know, you got to dig in and find a way to uh, to figure it out. And uh, my my freshman year, we went there and. Uh, Petrino was our uh, offensive coordinator at the time, and we had some some trick plays. Carnell and uh, Ronnie were out, and, and right. Trey Smith got the start. And Trey Smith pretty much carried us, you know, with a couple big plays we had during the game. But he he pretty much was the uh, was 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 the key to us winning. We were able to establish the rain game, and we went in there as underdogs and, and pulled off the victory. So uh, it's always a, a crazy atmosphere. But after that first one, we kind of became something that I, I, we were used to. We felt like we could beat them every time we played. Mm. Devin, that was a, a great time being down there uh, on the plains during that period of time, being able to go and just experience the atmosphere of consistently beating Bama, your biggest rival. What are some of the things that you remember most just from that rivalry specifically? I know you guys probably had a lot of great memories. Like, Is there anything that sticks out in your mind specifically about the the, uh, the Iron Bowl rivalry that you really um, that sticks out to you? Well, for me, I mean, I heard of it, but being from Miami, it's a lot of other rivalries that I grew up watching. But when I got here, you know, from the coaches, from the play, from the from the fans and teammates that grew up there, is that the Alabama game was important, especially from my classmates. Uh, they would always say, "We don't care what you how you guys do in other games, just beat Alabama." And uh, so that was just something we kind of focused on, and it kind of grew on me, and just to know how passionate people were about that rivalry. So. Um, that definitely just just was something that, that that sticks with me, just knowing the importance of that game and it being the last regular season game. Okay, so Devin, uh, I wanted to pivot a little bit and talk about culture, right? Okay, you guys beat Bama like it was your favorite thing to do, right? You played on an undefeated team. Can you talk a little bit about team culture during that time? I mean, you guys, for what I remember, you guys were, were a tight-knit group. Um, Courtney Taylor, Devin, uh, uh, Ben Obumanu, Anthony Mix, right? Like, you guys had some dogs. You guys were great blockers. Uh, and Coach Knox was your coach. Can you talk about what it was like for you guys in practice competing against each other and what the culture was like? Yeah, Coach Knox, uh, he definitely was tough on us. He was real tough on us. So he always wanted to make sure that we were, were the complete receiver, that we knew everything we were supposed to do. I think it kind of, for me personally, it started with uh, with Coach Bobby Petrino, who was the offensive coordinator when I got to Auburn. One of the reasons I went there, um, because he did like to throw the ball. So um, with him, you had to, he put a lot on us at, at an early point. You had to know everything in the scheme of the, of the offense. You know, it was a lot of, uh, we had to know what the protections were, what, who we were hot off of. We didn't necessarily 
if we didn't get a point point from the quarterback, we still had to know what our route was and who and who were hot off us. So with him, he was very hard on us as far as knowing everything from from day one. And he knew as freshmen that some of us were going to get to play. So he wanted us to be able to to compete and be ready for an adverse situations. So he kind of, you know, ingrained something in me that I didn't have coming there, just developing me and being hard on us and just making sure he, he never he never took a break on us. Okay, so talk about that a little bit from, you know, coming in as a freshman. So you had to make the mental uh, leap in the game twice, right? Like there's a physical aspect, of course, like from high school to college and then college to the pros. Uh, But just like talk about a little bit about some of the stuff that you knew you needed to get better at as a receiver um, in order for you to be the top receiver or make sure you got the playing time necessary. Yeah, for me, it was definitely, yeah, the, the mental part was definitely the biggest jump because everyone knows you got to get bigger and faster and stronger, but no one really talks about the mental part, which is which is more of it. Um, that's a larger percentage of, of your success. So um, with, with with that part, just knowing knowing the plays and playing fast. When you when you know the plays, that was the first step for me because you, you're getting a large playbook. So knowing the plays, that allows you to to play fast and, and know where you're going and do what you have to do with confidence. And then the last step is just a natural part is either if it's if it's a run play blocking or if it's a pass play catching the ball. So the main thing is knowing the plays, knowing what everyone does and understanding how the play works. I think as a freshman, um, you, you, your, your head's spinning, you come in, you know, I'm, I'm, I played as a freshman, so I, I, I'm just out there. I just want to make plays. So as I got older, I start to understand how the play, whole play worked and the whole scheme. So I would know pre-snap read if I was getting the ball and not just based off what the defense was doing. I was able to read the defense uh, with, with with Coach Knox. We had to, you know, was we had to have a pre-snap read. We had to know what the guy over us, guy inside of us, guy over the top was doing. So you're looking at all those components trying to figure out, you know, what your route was. I never really, believe it or not, I never really looked at the DP in front of me because he would not really tell me what I was doing. It was always the safety and the guys inside that would tell me what I was doing. So, the leverage the DB can the cornerback can kind of move around and, and and play a little bit, but that safety has to eventually at some point be honest. And he's gonna tell you, he's gonna tell you what the defense is doing. So, you know, from learning that from Coach Knox help help helped us develop. And once you start to pick up and know the plays, now you can focus more on the defense, which allows you to play faster. Um so you know, it's my freshman year it was it was rough because I was just trying to learn the plays and be in the right place at the right time, but sophomore junior senior year i knew what the plays were so i could kind of focus more on what the defense was doing to make sure that i was in the right spot for the quarterback so you know we kind of we worked on that and coach knox was that person he didn't want us messing up any so you know um he was he was real hard on us as well so we worked on plays we worked on blocking we worked on anything we could to make sure that we were doing our job and not and not the weak link of the uh of the offense Devin, uh, you you said something that I kind of want to highlight for our listeners um, in that, uh, you know, at some point the game slowed down for you, right? And you started to be able to see the field. Now, you know, Knox was hard. I think there was, uh, uh, I think, you know, based on talking to Jarris McIntyre and now, and Courtney Taylor, now you, right? Like he was, Knox was was the common denominator for a lot of you guys in your development. Can you talk about how important your position, Coach, was to your success? 
Yeah, position coach was very important to our success. Um, coach Knox was, uh, like I said, very, very hard on us um, from day one. And we had to be hard on each other because we all were competing for, let's just be honest, we had great running backs. So we weren't competing for many balls. So we had to, they, were, they had to find a way to try to separate who was going to play and who, who wasn't going to play. So, you know, with him being tough on us, he made sure that the, the, the right guys were out there at the right time. And he always just harped on, you know, we, 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 he, he hated us when we, he hated when we fumbled the ball in practice. So he would send us to the trees. I don't know if you remember, remember hearing that, hearing stories of that, but, uh, we could not fumble the ball. He did not, you know, that was his worse than anything, dropping the pass, messing up is turning the ball over to the, uh, to the, uh, to the defense. I mean, to the, uh, and have, letting other offense get on the field. So we always tried to make sure when we caught the ball, we, we held onto the ball and finished the play, but, is uh just the way he, he he would come in and have us watch film, re- release drills. That was a major thing with, with Coach Knox. We had to know how to get off the ball and beat man coverage. Because having good running backs, teams are going to press you, right. and they're going to bring more guys in the box. So you're going to have one-on-one coverage, and most of the time it's going to be um, press man. So we will watch release drills um, on different guys. I mean, some of those tapes we would watch probably like 20, 25 or 30 years old. He'd be like, wow, I got to find that tape. I got to find that tape. He'd go pull the tape up and we'd watch it. We'd go out and practice and do it. And that part helped me because when I got, you know, as I start playing, and even when you watch some guys that are playing that are playing in the NFL now, a lot of guys don't really have releases. You know, that's why you can separate a lot of good receivers like the Devontae Adams. They look right, at that right. and they say, wow, he's, he's doing something special, but he's just doing something that all of them are supposed to be doing. You're supposed to know how to get off the ball, how to get off, how to get off man coverage. Um, and you know that that part of our game is something that Coach Knox harped on because that made us complete receivers. Because once once the team presses you, if they can take you away with press and you can't get off the ball, then it's not really much you can do. But if you can beat that press coverage, then it's you know it's, it's a problem for a defense. Thank you for listening to the War Report podcast. You can support us by visiting our merchandise store. You can find links to the merchandise store on Facebook and the About section on our YouTube channel. If you would like access to more premium content, visit us on YouTube and click join to become an insider. War Eagle, and now back to more of the show. That's really good. Yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome to, to hear about some of the, the stuff. I think one of the things that I want to come back to that you just talked about is something we heard from Chris Todd about like the mentality of going in wanting to compete for your spot, right? Like there's only so many receivers that are going to get into a game um, on a given play and, and you know the ball wasn't going to come your direction a lot. But just talk to me a little bit about some of the competition that might have sprung, some healthy competition hopefully in, in, in the uh, practice that came up between you and the rest of the wide receiver core. Um, yeah, we, we never really, to be honest, we weren't we weren't that type of group. We may have had that competition within ourselves to, to, right. to beat out the other one, but we never really took it to that point. We just always were about the team and we, we wanted to win at any means necessary, um, obviously, because most of the time what we did was block. So if we were the type of person that wanted the ball every play. Let's just be honest. We, you know, we wouldn't have been there all along. We would have right. found somewhere else to go because you just weren't going to get the number of balls that you know a receiver is expecting to get. You know, uh, year in year out. So we, we honestly were there for the team to win, and the balls that we got, we were happy for each other when we got them. And it was always a group victory every time after somebody scored. We always got together and 
congratulated that receiver and prayed together. So we were definitely a close group and, and wanted, wanted success for each person. Okay, so opportunities were limited for catches. Uh, but I want to go back to something you said about why you chose Auburn. Mm-hmm. Petrino was the yes. offensive coordinator and you knew that he was going to throw the ball. Yes. Now, if you've been watching Auburn football over the last uh, few years, uh, you know that uh, that this wide receiver has been kind of a bugaboo for us, right? Like, you know, um, and, and, and how important is it for a receiver coming in if you're being recruited to know that you're going to an offense that's going to throw the ball? Is it a make or break for whether you attend that school or not? Um, I have a different mindset now versus when I was being recruited. Um, but yeah, obviously you want to go somewhere where you're going to be able to showcase your talents. Um, because, you know, when I look at it now, you know, you're, you're auditioning to be a professional in, in whatever you're doing. So if you're not able to showcase your talents to, to, if you're not able to maximize your talent there, then that's probably not the right place for you. You know, you wouldn't go to a school that doesn't, have the best engineers and you want to be an engineer if you have the opportunity to go to school that produces the best engineers then you're gonna you're gonna go there it only makes sense so you know it's definitely important to to want to to go somewhere and and you know if they say they're gonna throw the ball to you get the balls you need get the balls you need to get as a receiver um it's important to keep receivers in the game you watch the game today you know top the top receivers in the nfl they make sure they get them the ball you know they don't wait till third quarter to get them the ball you have to get them involved in the game and get a rhythm going so it's definitely something that you know is important especially for a freshman player who's thinking he's going to get the ball if he doesn't get it then you know his mind could be going anywhere and as a young player it's hard to keep somebody focused when you know they're thinking one thing and another thing happens and you know that their talent can waver a little bit because they're like okay i thought i was gonna get the ball i didn't get the ball and now you know second third game and they're wondering where the balls are coming when, when are they gonna get the ball so you know it's uh it's something that you, you definitely want to go somewhere where you're going to be able to showcase your ability so so let's let's talk about that a little bit more um in regard to receivers today right if you were being recruited by Auburn today what would be your perception of like how likely it would be that you would want to like let's say pre-Brian Harson, right new coaches there you, we don't really know a lot about him but just right. uh, in the previous last few years like how likely would it be that Devin ends up at Auburn um, in the system that we've been under the last couple of years um I don't know. I mean, they've been they've been putting they've been putting some good receivers out and putting them in the NFL and get getting them the ball. Um, so from a perspective of a high school player, I can't I can't argue with that, you know. But I will look at the amount of guys that have that didn't develop and, and that transferred that were top players. Um, so you know, I would it, it kind of would be just you know if I have the opportunity to play early and catch the ball because in the offense you're you're going to get the ball. Um, so you know, I, I would de- Auburn would definitely have a shot in my book as far as uh, as far as somewhere I would go. Now you you know the other schools in the SEC are doing the same thing, if not a little bit better. So if I am getting recruited by those schools, it would be tough to to turn them down with their production at the receiver position right now. So uh, Isaac brought it up. Uh, so I want to pivot a little bit here too. Uh, big news on the planes is obviously we have a new coach, uh, Brian Harson. Now. Uh, if you're like us, we didn't 
know a ton about him except for that he's been at Boise forever as an offensive coordinator and then eventually as a head coach. Um, they've done fairly well, uh, albeit in the Mountain West. Um, so I want to get your t- thoughts on the coaching change. Um, you, you've clearly been following the program. So like, what did you think uh, about the program under Gus and, and what did you think about the timing of the change? I think it was time. It was time for change. Um, I think it was a little bit overdue. Uh, so something they, they, they should have done or at least discussed, at least, you know, kind of had like a plan going into. Um, I think we, you know, we uh, I, I expected more from I expect our team to be a little further than we are now, at least as far as from a consistency standpoint. Um, so I think it was definitely time for us to uh, to move on and try to find another way to, to get back to what this team was. So when you say get back to what this team was like, what what were some of the frustrations as a as an Auburn guy watching this team um, play over the last couple of years? What were some of the things that you know frustrated you specifically about the offense? Like it, we weren't producing a ton of points, uh, we had struggles in the red zone. Like what were the things that made you just kind of grit your teeth and be like, man, I can't watch this or whatever it was? Um, I would say just the uh, just the the. I mean, you bring in someone who's an offensive guru, so we're expecting to score a lot of points. Um, We're we're getting good talent, so you know we can't we can't really put the blame on there. So you know, it's just it was just the inconsistencies. Um, Some of the stuff we were getting just wasn't either. It was feast or famine. Either we get sacked for a 15 yard loss, or we make a 60 yard play down the field. There was no consistent, you know, drives and stuff put together. You know, like in the NFL. you, you beat a team, you put together a long drive, you know, um, that demoralizes the defense. For us, it was, okay, we, we make a 90-yard touchdown. You know, then to come back the next series, we have, it's, it's, third and, it's third and 20-something. Now we have to punt the ball. So it was not, never, we didn't never really have a true identity of, okay, we're, we're down, our backs against the wall, this is what we're going to do to win the game. I didn't see them allow the guys uh, to compete enough Um for the ball, it seems like we were trying to, you know, run uh, too many just gimmick plays. Whereas, you know, that's when we played smaller schools, that's what they did against us because they knew they didn't have the talent level we had. We played as if we had less talent than other schools. A lot of times, you know, it wasn't really the plays that we called when I was at Auburn. It was just us wanting to play, wanting the ball more than the other guy. And that's simply what it comes down to. If I had one on one coverage, then I was going deep and that was, that was it. You know, it wasn't really that we had to, you know, throw the ball here and give this guy the ball to throw me the ball. If I got one-on-one coverage, it was my job to win because they recruited me, they brought me in because I was a talented player, so they expected me to win in a one-on-one situation. So I think more of it for me was just not allowing, you know, some of the guys we brought in as receivers um, to just be able to compete and win, you know, anytime they got one-on-one coverage. If if they if they let our guys if there if there was a one on one matchup then they should allow that receiver to win if it's two safeties allow the running back to do what he does and and, and get five or six yards so kind of just taking what the defense uh, would give us versus you know trying to run some trick plays and get you know get yards off of that when I mean it looks like to to be honest most of the defense at SEC kind of caught up with uh, what we were doing as far as those type of plays. So I think, you know, we have the talent to just go out there and just allow those guys to to win like they allow Seth Williams to do from time to time. But, you know, that's something he could have done consistently over and over again until they had to double team. Then when you double team them, you got the other receiver, you got the running back. So, you know, if you you can take away two players, there's only nine players left. So, you know, our our 10 players should be just as talented or better than 
they're not players so we run a play to, to expose that so you know I think it should have been more of that you know it's kind of a you know if they take this away then we go we go do this because if they want to take Seth Williams away then the other person has to win the other receiver has to win with the speed of who they had on the other side he should have been winning because he because he can't double both of them right, so if you right, double right. both guys that means the running game is wide open so you got one guy that's fast and you got one guy that's going to catch everything over you so they could essentially, if they wanted to, take four guys away from the play, leaving, you know, leaving uh my man seven guys, seven guys, seven guys left to cover what we always have was a great running back, which is not gonna that's not gonna that's not gonna, you know, that's not gonna stop our running game our run game. So for me, it maybe it's not that easy, but it seems it is that easy when I play it. You know, they they load up the box, we throw the ball deep. They don't load up the box, we run the ball. That's that's what we did when I was there, and it was that simple. Okay, so Devin, uh, you said something that I kind of want to pivot to a little bit. Um, uh, ones versus ones. Now, I don't know if you heard this, right? Uh, but um, it came out that uh, Gus didn't like to run first team offense versus first team defense in practice. Now, you played with a Thorpe Award winner in Carlos Rogers, you know, and um, uh, can you talk about what kind of development opportunity may have been missed for these guys? not running versus the first team defense in practice. Thank you for listening to the War Report podcast. As we continue to grow, we're asking our community for help. So if you would like to support us, please visit the about section on our YouTube channel. You can also find the link on our Facebook page. We appreciate your support and War Eagle. Um... Just being able to compete against, you know, the top guys that you have on the other side of the ball, um, it makes everyone better. Uh, so I think it's just from a standpoint of just going against the best guy and not being so scripted and knowing both of you guys have to go into the film room after that and watch that and figure out what you what you could have done to to win or, you know, what you could have done to to uh to, to do a little better um, I think it was just an opportunity there it comes back to competing just being able to compete against the other guy and win and not necessarily do something that's scripted because most of the stuff you do in practice is scripted and set up either for you know or maybe a 50-50 chance or for you to win or for the defense to win and for you maybe to find a way to win so you know usually when you do that first team versus first team it's, it's, it's uh, yes the plays are kind of are scripted but it's for whoever whoever wins that battle so I think those those are definitely some some big opportunities missed there for, for guys just to go against each other and kind of just find out who wants it more. So I, I've heard you say this word uh, over and over again, and I just really want to harp on the idea of going out there and competing. Like, um, you know, I, I'm sure it's a mix, but like, where does that get instilled into a team um, that you see it? If you see it not happening on the field, like, how do you get guys to 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 up their level and make sure that they're competing every game, every play? Like, where does that come from? Um, some guys have it in them from from day one, and and some guys are you know needed to be brought out of them. I'll be honest with you, I was a guy that needed it to be brought out of me. Um, I competed, but you know from a standpoint, you're going from high school to college, you, you're never not you're never around that much that much talent. So when I saw guys start to get ahead ahead of me, then something something inside me turned on and said, I can't. I can't let them get too far ahead of me. I got to do something to either catch up and pass them. So it kind of it's built in the offseason with strength and conditioning. You, we do different stuff like uh, spring mat drills and stuff like that to kind of, you know, get the guys going and see who's going to quit 
um, just long uh, two minute drives at the end of practice. You're tired. You go in and you, you got to score uh, in, in under two minutes uh, when, it's, when it's the last two minutes of the game. Um, things like that kind of build that in the person, but it it comes deep down inside of you. And you know your position coach, which who sees you most, is the person gonna that's gonna make sure that you're always competing. And in our room. We, we had, I mean, we all came in together. I think we brought in, I think maybe initially it was probably seven seven receivers my uh, in 2002 that were on scholarship um, in that class. So we knew we, we knew we all weren't going to play. So we always had we always had to make sure we were competing. If we didn't compete, you weren't going to play that week. So, you know, for us as receivers, we had no choice. It wasn't, you know, where we had some freshmen behind us and we were junior seniors, you had someone that was same experience, same same amount of ability as you. So you knew if you didn't compete, then you weren't going to be out there long. Wow, uh, that's great. So competition, right? Uh, so, you know, we, we're saying there may have been some opportunities missed in terms of development. Can you talk about, you played with three different quarterbacks. You played with Daniel Cobb, you played with Jason Campbell. We know how that one ended, right? And undefeated the season in 04. And then you played uh, with Brandon Cox for a year. Um, can you talk about a receiver's relationship with his quarterback and what can a receiver do to develop a good relationship with his quarterback? Um, yeah, having a relationship with a quarterback is definitely definitely something you want to have. You want to have that good rapport with him. Um, for me, it's, it's staying after practice or before practice catching balls with the quarterback. Um, in the offseason, catching balls with the quarterback and just kind of getting on the same page and um, him just understanding, just understanding you. That's kind of something, you know, because unfortunately, we didn't throw the ball that much when I was at Auburn. So, you know, that's something I kind of understood a little later in my career when I got to the NFL and was fortunate enough to play with the Colts uh, and watch Peyton Manning, you know, go through drills with Stokely, Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison, just to understand how they knew where each other was going to be, you know, just watching them run routes and they knew, you know, how Marvin was going to run his route. It was always different from how Reggie Wayne ran it. For, for instance, I give you an example. Marvin Harrison always ran his route sh- shorter than the distance he was supposed to run it. So I give you, I, I came in for Marvin one play and, you know, I'm doing everything I was supposed to do. I'm playing his position and I go and I run the route, the full distance that the route is supposed to be ran in the playbook. And he threw the ball already. And he, and he said, "Why? where were you at? Why weren't you there? And so I went back to this. It was an incomplete pass. So I went back to the sideline receiver coach said, you know, what happened? And I told him I ran the route to such and such yards. He's like, well, you got to run it to the distance that Marvin runs the route because that's where the ball is going to be. So it's just they had that type of connection. And I think that type of relationship, building that is just something that, you know, it takes time, unfortunately. But, you know, when, when you build that with a, with a quarterback and a receiver, you become unstoppable. Like he knew where he was going to be and he's programmed to know that Marvin's going to be there and he's going to be in this certain spot. So that's where he's expecting him to be. So, you know, building something like that just comes from constantly, constantly throwing the ball to someone and constantly doing it over and over again. Uh, So you talked about the transition to the NFL. I want to just kind of hit on, like, what was your experience in getting prepped for that and and kind of uh, making the transition from college to the pros? Um. I mean, Coach Dotson did a great job of uh, preparing us as far as releases. I'm a, I'm a big receiver, so, you know, a lot of times you want to slow down a big receiver, you go up and press them. So, 
you know, being able to get off the line of scrimmage um, was one of the major things that I felt I had an advantage of. I had I was naturally fast, so um, once I got going downfield, it was tough to stop. But him prepping us as far as releases was one of the biggest things that helped me at the next level and and route running. Um, he always wanted to get us off, get our full depth on routes, so I always kind of made sure that I got the full depth on the routes that you know that, that the play was designed for, and. Uh, his his pre- his preparation and the stuff he did, we didn't like it. But you know, when I realized when I got to the NFL, I was that far ahead of some of the guys that were you know that that came in with me or were already there because they didn't have the same uh, structure and coaching that I had. Uh, Devin, you know, kind of uh, going back to the coaching change, right? We got a new head coach, but you know, uh, most importantly for a lot of the receivers at Auburn right now, we have a new offensive coordinator. Um, that's right. something that you've gone through as a player. Um, if you're, if you could talk to these guys now and, and give them some advice on what's the one thing that they should be doing under this new coach, what what would that advice be? Uh, my advice would be that. Everyone has a clean slate, you know, so go out there and work hard. There is no ones. There's no twos. There's no none of that. Just go out there and and do your best and make your first impression on that coach. And, uh, you know, and it'll be it'll be a lasting impression. So everybody should be as far as players should be working hard to when it comes time to for coach to decide who's going to do what you're you're, you're ready to get out there and, um, and, and showcase your talents and everything else is left behind. So he doesn't have any. He doesn't have an opinion. You know, most a, a good coach is going to formulate his own opinion on a player. So, you know, um, that's what I'm expecting Coach Harson to do is go out there and clean everyone's slate and let those guys go out there and learn the playbook and um, and compete. And obviously, you know, learn the playbook, you know, learn, learn the plays. That's important. And you can't play fast if you don't know the plays. All right. Well, Devin, listen, we appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today. Uh, before we get out of here, we just want to hear, like, what, what do you have going on with yourself right now? Post-playing career, what is Devin doing on the day-to-day? How are you spending your time? Well, I went back to school in 2014 and finished and got my degree. So I finished up in the spring of 2015, I think it was, in uh, business administration. And I've uh, been working as a uh, mortgage banker. for the. It'll be five years in March. So I've been doing that, and I love it, and I enjoy helping people uh into a home so that's kind of my, my new passion now and uh you know that's that's what i do and i look forward to doing it for, for a long time awesome well Devin, listen we really appreciate you joining us today and helping us educate our listeners on on, on what it's like for a receiver you know at the college level and, and what it takes to get to the next level you know i think that a lot of fans benefit from being able to hear from players directly about what the process is like, especially since we got a new coach, man. We have a new system coming in, so it was great uh, that you were able to join us today. As always, we are The War Report. Please like and subscribe on YouTube. We are The War Report on Twitter and Instagram. TW Report on TikTok. Gentlemen, we're signing off, and as always, worry. Worry. Worry.